Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. So, um, in the last couple of years, I began to notice uh, changes in my uh, body. Not in the physical body, uh, but... uh, yeah, really in the area of uh, concentration focus. You know, I noticed that uh, you know, even in my mind space, even in my body, different aspects of life, like, I noticed a real shift uh, in the area of concentration focus. Now, I pride myself to be like, a really like, focused person. You know, it's something that uh, has been a constant uh, attribute in my life. You know, it's something that I really pride myself in doing so. You know, I can like, really sit down, buckle down, work hard on something and not be distracted. And so it's something that I really pride myself in. You know, I can pride myself in little things, but okay, I'm supposed to pride myself in Jesus, but you know, this is the carnal side still talking, but I'm really proud of my ability to focus. It's one of my top strengths finder stuff. No, I pride myself in doing that, you know, but there's been a real shift in the last couple of years, uh, personally, you know, in this area of concentration and focus. Some things that I've noticed uh, down, uh, that, that has happened in the last couple of years was one, you know, I could not engage in a conversation uh, with a friend, you know, I would go out for coffee, I would sit over lunch, but I couldn't sit through a lunch meeting or a coffee conversation without uh, the need to check my phone, you know, without the need to pull something up, check out the, Insta, the Instagram, you know, and check out what people are doing. You know, I would uh, find myself drifting away mid-conversation. Don't worry, it's with none of y'all. Y'all are so captivating. I'm talking about the other people. But... Uh, I find myself drifting midway and uh, just beginning to think about different things, beginning to wonder what different people are doing uh, midway in a conversation. You know, and something that I begin to notice uh, uh, repeatedly happening in the last couple of years. You know, I would uh, also, you know, uh, you know, I would go on vacation, I'll go on trips, I'll go to new places, and I'll be be exposed to new sites, to beauty, to uh, new people, and I'll find that even. In uh, vacation settings where I'm supposed to enjoy new sites, new people, uh, new environments, I would find myself you know, uh, defaulting back to my phone, checking what people are doing back home and all that stuff. You know, your faces just seem to suggest that this is a purely Andre thing. So Andre is just going to you know, remunerate about my sinfulness while you just stand there with your judgy. Okay, how many of you relate? Thank you, thank you. We are in church. Now... But this is the worst one, okay? I noticed that um, uh, in movies, uh, you know, I would, like, look forward to a movie, like, for, like, two years, three years. I would, like, be so excited to watch certain movies. Um, Star Wars is coming out in December. Now, the franchise has been so disappointing. Um, and so, my children will only know of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and Rogue One, nothing else. So, it's... Well, we might disagree on that. But, you know, I would look forward to like, some movies and I would be so excited to watch some of these, uh, this stuff, you know, and I would sit in a the movie theatre with Amy and I will be watching this movie that I've been really looking forward to watch, you know, for, like, for two, three years. And I'll find myself midway in the movie getting really distracted, right? I'll get really distracted. I'll start looking around. And uh, midway, I'm just, I just get bored and uh, I have this very bad habit which will make all of you all not want to watch a movie with me, but I'll go on Wikipedia and I'll start reading all the plot points because I get so bored. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> let me find out what happens in the, in the end. And usually Amy, you know, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm reading the movie and she'll like nudge me. You know, and it's something that I've been doing, uh, especially so in the last couple of years. I just can't concentrate in movies. I just can't concentrate. And I'll be, I'll be watching a, a movie at home, but while I'm watching a movie, I'm like watching a video on YouTube while I'm watching a movie because I get bored of that. And then after I get bored of the video on YouTube, and then I'll end up doing something else and so on and so forth. Squirrel. I'm just a <laughs> distracted mess. And I noticed something was really, really wrong with me. You know, I couldn't uh, be present. I was distracted all the time. I was uh, really easily bored and I needed to be entertained and occupied all the time. And I don't know whether you can relate with that. Um, researchers and sociologists and uh, marketers uh, describe this climate that we're living in as the attention economy. We're living in something called the attention economy. And I'm just going to give you a brief uh, you know, uh, insight into what the attention economy is. But attention economics is an approach to the management of information that treats human attention as a scarce 
commodity, as a scarce commodity. Basically, attention is a resource, and humans only have so much of it. We only have so much attention. And today, it's becoming a scarce commodity. Marketers are then tasked to war for your limited attention through different tools, techniques, and strategies in the midst of all that is distracting, that's pulling your attention. Marketers are fighting literally for your limited attention. They do so through different means, clickbaity stuff and whatsoever. The term got really popular after Microsoft released a report on it. And in it, researchers postulate that the average attention span of a human being today, average attention span, okay, and now that's defined as the amount of concentrated time a person can spend on a task without being distracted. So that's, your, that's what the definition of attention span is. The average human attention span, according to this report, is less than that of a goldfish. <laughs> now, the, the CEO of Microsoft then goes on to say this, kind of that quote up. He says this, we are moving from a world where computing power was scarce to a place where it now is almost limitless and where the true scarce commodity is increasingly human attention. Some of you are just spaced out in the middle of this intro. <laughs> Welcome to our cultural climate. <laughs> you are being sucked and conformed. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. <laughs> in the last decade, the smartphone, your phone, your iPhone, the other brand, has taken this attention economy. We have limited time, so we can talk about one brand. <laughs> has taken this attention economy to previously unforeseen heights because we keep our mobile devices constantly on our person. And the attention merchants like Facebook and Google are doing all they can with their sophisticated psychological tactics to compete for the scarce and lucrative resource called human attention. We thought Facebook and Instagram and YouTube were free services. They are not. They may not cost us any money, but we are paying with a more precious commodity, our finite and valuable human attention. Welcome to church. We are constantly being disrupted by social media for the sake of our attention. Do you agree on that? Our thoughts are being filled with controversies, hot takes, opinions, extremes, conflicts, and emergencies because these are the keys to winning in the attention economy. Your attention is literally being warred for. There are forces at play in the world today, both spiritual and non-spiritual, that are fighting for your attention. And it's not just a marketing issue, it is a spiritual problem. Now, have you all ever experienced something called uh, a phantom phone vibration? A phantom phone vibration. Now, this is coming off of uh, something called phantom leg syndrome, which is when your amputees are still feel uh, the physical sensations of the leg, even after the leg has been taken away. Now, the phantom phone vibration, basically, it, as, as the name suggests, it is the sensation, it's feeling... Uh, you know, the, the buzzing, the ringing of the phone, even when the phone is not with you. Now, I started experiencing that uh, in the last couple of years. You know, I would sit in bed at home uh, with my phone on the, uh, in, in the other room, and I would feel like my, my thighs start vibrating. I'm like, oh, okay, where's my phone? And I realized, you know, there's no pockets, and my phone is not even there. I would uh, hear my phone ring uh, at times. And so I was like, man, this is something weird. This is something crazy. And I'll have these, like, you know, I, I'm just like putting myself out there and showing you how spiritually depraved I am. I would have uh, moments of anxiety when I can't, when I, you know, I wonder where my phone is or my phone is dead, you know, and I was like, man, you know, I need my phone, I need to be contacted, I need to be reached all the time. You know, you might not have this like phantom phone syndrome, it might be an Andre thing, but what about the moment when you are met with an uncomfortable feeling like grief or anger or sadness and you immediately default to picking up your phone? Almost subconsciously, without realizing that, uh, without realizing it, you spend several minutes scrolling, scrolling, scrolling through different stuff in order to deal with, in order to not deal with your feelings. There is no sugarcoating it, whether mild or severe. Almost all of us suffer from some degree of digital dependence. Do we agree on that? Today, we have a need to be entertained, occupied, or rather be distracted continually, constantly. With all our advances in entertainment, boredom almost feels like an ancient idea. 
remember that feeling when you know you have to like sit and wait for a bus and there's nothing to do, and you know that that feeling of like man, you know I'm so unoccupied right now. That feeling called boredom. That's an ancient idea. You know, remember when you had to sit on planes and there's no entertainment devices and just sit there quietly looking at the sky, reading the magazines in front of you, and then after you read, finish the magazine, then there's nothing to read, then you start playing your fingers. That thing called boredom, an ancient idea. Right? Where's the last time some of you experienced true boredom? The whole world is available to us, beckoning for our attention and giving us access to everything happening everywhere in real time. Compared to this sensational now, our lives seem boring, a place from which we escape. Not many of us physically run away, but we do so in incremental measures. A screen check here, an update there, an email that demands an immediate response. All this to say, it is the hardest it ever has been to pay attention. Hardest it's ever had been, has been to pay attention. Now this plays out in us becoming increasingly unable to be present in the here and now. We find it tough to be with people. We find it tough to be present with people. How many of you resonate with that? You know, when you're midway in, in a meeting, you know, your phone is on the table, and you feel this compulsive need and urge to check your phone midway through a conversation while an actual person is sitting in front of you. How many of you have felt that, that, that compulsion? I do all the time. We find it tough to be present in moments, present in moments. You know, I was recently at a concert. I know pastors go to concert, wow. Uh, I was in a concert and uh, there were this couple of guys in front of me that had their phones up the whole time and they were like videoing the concert as though, uh, and, and they didn't put it down, put their phone down the whole time. They were so preoccupied with like capturing the right frames, editing, posting, and they had their phones up the whole time as though they planned to sell a bootleg version of the concert down the road, <laughs> whether that's a real thing anymore. But you know, they had it the whole time and, and I was so... Uh, also intrigued, right? Because we paid like you know good money to be at a concert, but the whole time they, their f- faces were glued to the screen. If it's not this way, it was down, and they were trying to post it, they were trying to edit it, and all that good stuff. Because here's the thing: our culture has conditioned us to value memories, keepsakes, insta stories, than the actual experience. Yeah. We value getting to tell people that we have actually been there, rather than actually being there. We somehow have cultivated a value system that values more the joy or approval of others than our own personal joy and satisfaction. Our culture has conditioned us to think that way. And the last and the most concerning area we find it tough to be present in is in the area of our spirituality. We find it hard to be present with God. We do. We find it tough to be present with God. This sense of disconnection of not being present or being distracted bleeds into our faith. John Tyson, no relation to Mike Tyson, he says this. <laughs> they are just uh, wow. <laughs> Man, I need to recover. John Tyson, we often talk about God being absent from our lives, but in this culture of distraction, I wonder if we are the ones absent from Him. We attend worship services but pull out our phones during the sermon. <laughs> Critique the music based on the most popular worship bands and forget to integrate what happened on the weekend into our everyday lives. This probing question confronts the spirit of the age. Are we blaming God for his absence when we are the ones no longer present? Mm. It's true, right? Churches, well-meaningly, try to compensate for this cultural distraction, right? Having attractive, well-thought-out events, programs, and new, exciting ways of teaching the Bible. We do that. All to fight for your attention. All to fight for your attention, to make this thing appealing, right? And most churches are pretty successful with that. But here's the thing, it's only for that two hours. It's only for that two hours. And what we have today are Christians who are entertained, who are entertained, but spiritually malnourished and live an untransformed life. Dallas Willard in his book, The Great Omission, writes this. He talks about uh, Blaise Pascal, the remarkable scientist, theologian, and Christian of the 17th century. He says this, all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact. They cannot sit quietly in their own room. 
The reason for this inability, he found, is the natural poverty of our feeble and mortal condition. So miserable that nothing can comfort us when we think of it closely. So we have to be careful not to think of it closely. This we manage by what Pascal calls diversion. We, distract, we require things to distract us from ourselves. Hence it comes people so much love noise and stir. Hence it comes that the prison is so horrible a punishment. Hence it comes that the pleasure of solitude is a thing incomprehensible. This is the human condition. This is what we're living in, this current cultural climate. In the light of decrease, the decreasing attention span of humans, increasing distractions that are all around us, the lure that comes with the digital age, there is no spiritual practice that is as under attack as the spiritual practice of prayer. A life of prayer is directly opposed to the culture of distraction. Today, for week six of spiritual practices, I'd like to speak to you on the subject of prayer. <laughs> now, prayer is not a foreign concept. You know, we've had great guys speak on prayer, and in many ways, I feel inept. But, you know, no, these guys have spoken so brilliantly into, into prayer and so many of you are modeled it by the lives that you lead. You know, we have like prayer groups that have started organically and you, you all are so faithful in, in doing that. And many of you inspire me with uh, the lives that you lead, prayerful lives. And uh, uh, I'm just going to like tease us and spoil us. Uh, we're going to have a panel uh, at the end of this message. I'm not going to go for long. Uh, but, you know, we're going to hear from different people who uh, have so inspired me with uh, the, the lives of prayer that they lead, they lead and I hear from different experiences and, and uh, get, gain different insights, okay? But prayer is not a foreign concept in this church, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, we're trying to not overlap too much with, like, what Jason and, and uh, Andrew has covered. But, you know, I, can, I cannot imagine covering the entirety of this subject in one summer. You know, we might do a series where Jason will preach for five weeks or something like that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss <laughs> Nor do I claim to be an expert, right? But, um, now, in this series, now, we covered a bunch of uh, ancient but uh, sadly new practices for many of you, like the practice of solitude, Sabbath, and all that good stuff, right? But, but prayer is something that is really familiar. You hear about it often. In some way, some form of fashion, you practice it, right? We tend to think of prayer as something we do in order to produce results, do we? As, uh, as something that we go to God in order to produce results. You know, you go to any Christian bookstore, and I did so uh, recently. I went to a bookstore, and uh, one of the book titles I saw was uh, this book title. It goes, 10 Prayers That God Will Answer. <laughs> right? You know, you, you look up books on prayer, and you see, like, prayer techniques. You know, I have this book that goes, like, praying backwards where, you know, instead of, like, in Jesus' name, amen, you put it in front because it's more effective. All right, good stuff, right? All of us are concerned, are so, uh, we so want to, like, have the right technique, have the right formula to have, like, the Pautia kind of prayer, right? The sure win one, like, when I do it this way, when I put myself in this certain posture, you know, whatever it is, when I say it a certain way, it will happen. We're looking for a formula to prayer, are we? Right? Because prayer is something that we predominantly view. Most of the church around the world, we view it as something functional. View, we view it as something, a means to get and a desired outcome to get results. Do we? As a result, our prayer tends to be a shopping list of things to be accomplished and attempt to manipulate the symptoms of our lives without entering into a deep, vital, transforming relationship with God in the midst of what we think we need. Prayer, as a classical spiritual discipline, is primarily relational, not functional. It's relational, not functional. Mike Bickle has this to say. Mike Bickle. He says this, prayer is not about informing or persuading God, but about connecting with Him in relationship. He is looking for conversation and dialogue with us. Now, most of us engage prayer with the first two, informing or persuading God. But it's about relationship, it's about conversation. Now, I'd like to ask us all this question. How many of you would say, you know, I know about prayer and I am rocking it with my prayer life? Like, my prayer life is like it, you know. I, I, I'm like one of those guys where like I wake up in the morning, you know, I just heard God say that, that kind of guys, you know, and like you have revelation on tap. You're just like a praying machine. You love prayer. You're like, yeah, I know I... That's too excited. 
But like, you are, you love your prayer life, you love prayer, you, you find such joy, such fulfillment, such satisfaction in prayer. How many of you can say that? Andrew, of course, but anyone else? <laughs> While prayer is something we talk about often and is without dispute a core aspect of spirituality, something we know is absolutely fundamental and important. How many of us would say, you know, that you are satisfied with a prayer life, that you are, you know, in the vernacular of my day, rocking it at your prayer life? Let's be honest for us. Let's be honest for a second. Prayer is a weak point in, for us in many, uh, in, for many of us in our apprenticeship to Jesus. Prayer is something really hard to do in 2019 in a digital age in a city like Singapore. Most of us, don't really enjoy prayer. We feel bad, even guilty about how little we pray. And when we finally do make time to pray, we often don't know what to say. Or we are so distracted, we can't focus. You might bind the lie that you need to be like, you know, wordy or, you know, you need to be fluent. You need to like quote scriptures to the one who actually wrote scriptures and have it all right. You might think you need a certain form, you need a certain posture. And you struggle with this notion of prayer. It's burdensome, it's tough. It feels like an obligation. Yet for Jesus, prayer was central to life with God. Let's have these verses up. <clears throat> it says, it's not very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spend the night praying to God. For Jesus' prayer wasn't a drag or a duty. He seemed to genuinely enjoy his father's company. Yes, prayer is a practice, but like all spiritual practices, it is a means to an end and not an end in and of itself. The end is relationship with God. Most people define prayer simply as talking with God. It's like a back and forth conversation that comes out of a depth of relationship. Beautiful. But I know a bunch of y'all, myself included, have experienced prayerful moments where, you know, words just don't suffice, right? You know, there, there's just no words and you feel the presence of God. You connect with Him in a posture of prayer. You know, I love this definition of prayer by Dr. Ralph M M Martin. He, uh, he says it beautifully in, in this expression. He says, prayer is at root simply paying attention to God. This is beautiful, huh? Simply paying attention to God. This is why prayer is challenging today. It requires you to bridle your heart, your mind, to shut off the distractions and demands of life and fix your attention, your gaze on God. And the goal here is not just for you to do so uh, with pockets of time that you make available at the end of your day. But the goal here is for you to increasingly become aware of God's presence in your life and to live a life that is oriented, that's centered around his presence and his purpose. It is not just to engage in an activity, but cultivating a life that is oriented around the presence of God. Your schedules and priorities lining up with your heart's true desire. Yeah, making sense? Yeah. Now, I'm going to cut short a bit. You know, probably the top question I get uh, uh, pastoring is this question, uh, what is the will of God for my life? How many of you are still uh, really going after that? You know, what is the will of God for my life? You know, uh, and it's something you know, I, I'm still in the midst of discovering as well. And, uh, you know, often, you know, uh, like a cheeky pastor, I tend to, you know, just like, throw a verse out there and just get people to think about it. I was like, oh, you're wondering what the will of God for your life? Look at First Thessalonians. And that scripture in First Thessalonians, it goes like this, you know, uh, it's, it's at the back. Way back. First Thessalonians, it goes, Rejoice always, pray about ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. <laughs> and now people go like, Oh, I expected you to tell me like, should I be a teacher? Should I be a pastor? Uh, but okay, I, I, I get this. And I was like, okay, you know. And I was like, go think about it. It's really deep one. They're like, okay. So most people come back and think, I was like, like, pastor, you know, I get rejoice always means happy lah. I get give thanks in all circumstances. That means when things go bad, Give thanks lah. But this prayer without ceasing thing, uh, how do you actually do that? Right? So most people go like, okay, do you expect like non-stop prayer, like 24-7, like on your knees, on your face? Is that like the will of God for our lives? Like to just like do nothing and be in a place of prayer. Sounds like a dream, right? I've long 
like super long, you know, been puzzled by this verse, you know, prayer without ceasing. And the question is, did Jesus pray nonstop, right? Simple question. The Bible says in Luke 2 that he was a carpenter for at least 18 years before being baptized by John and Jordan. Surely this work would have prevented Jesus from praying nonstop, right? Or like the conventional sense of prayer. Yet this Bible verse challenges us to pray continuously, to bathe our years, months, days, and moments with prayer, to pray without ceasing. Now, it does us good to know the Greek word for without ceasing. It's actually the word adialiptos. Probably butchering it. But it doesn't mean non-stop. It, it actually means constantly recurring. Constantly recurring. Pray and do so with it constantly recurring. In other words, we can punctuate our moments, our life, with intervals of recurring prayer. This is what Paul means when he says prayer without ceasing. Jesus calls this life abiding in the vine, and Brother Lawrence calls it the practice of the presence. This is what is commonly referred to as a lifestyle of prayer. Yeah. I'm wrapping up soon, but Dallas Willard, in reflecting about uh, Brian Lawrence's work. Now, this has become my favorite quote, so just take your time and read this. Dallas, my man, he says this. The first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. Let us, let us sit in for a moment. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. I relate. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, He will become the poster of our inward beings. How many of you, this just became your favorite quote? <laughs> I, I love this. This is beautiful. Now, it is said that the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. By way of contrast, the psalmist has this to say. He says this, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. The question I have for you is this. What will it like, be like, or what will what your life look like if God touched your mind as frequently as you touched your phone? Imagine the life that you would live if every day God, or thoughts about God, touches your mind, it's in front of you, 2,617 times a day. That the attention you give to your phone, to the devices, to the distraction of life, you redirect it to God. Can you imagine what kind of life would that be? Now, this is a lofty, almost incomprehensible goal. This whole idea of practicing the presence of living a life oriented around the presence of God. And we don't get there in one giant step. We get that through practice. And the way we live into that vision of life oriented around the presence of God is by the practice of prayer, is by spiritual habits, is by putting in routines and rituals to make for a life that is filled with the presence of God. Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to get practical and we're going to have... Um, my panel up, so can I get my logistics folks to uh, carry the table? And uh, I'm going to introduce my panel. You know? So these are people in our community. These are our life group leaders. These are people who uh, have prayer lives that I really admire, and they'll be speaking into uh, some of these things uh, from a more practical aspect, and I will be asking them some questions. And so can I have Isaac, Phoebe, and Tam up? <laughs> What we're going to do here is you know, we're going to get practical, but uh, before that, you know, I want to hear a bit about uh, you, you know, what you do, what's your season of life, and uh, what is prayer to you. But we can go down the line, uh, just introduce yourself, uh, what you do, uh, how do you occupy yourself during the week, etc. Hello, I'm Andrew. Um, I'm, a, I'm a civil servant, so I'm in between jobs now. I'm starting on Monday. I'm working in the Ministry of National Development now. Yeah. 
Um, so that's my full-time job. But then I joke to say that I'm a full-time scroll eater. Yeah, that's Ezekiel 2 to 3, Revelations 10. Anyway. <laughs> wow, I'm Phoebe. I don't eat scroll. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a homemaker. Uh, I take care of the kids and Xian. And... <laughs> and Xian. Hello, I'm Isaac. I'm also silver servant, but currently on sabbatical. So I'm getting to do a lot of fun stuff, like spend time with my family and do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So that's good. Ooh. Okay, since you have the mic. Okay. So just a simple question. Uh, maybe you just take uh, in like one sentence or one and a half max. What is prayer to you? What is prayer to you? Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess the definition of prayer has changed over time for me. But, but now I think it's a lot more of an uh, intentional pathway that we build and traverse on throughout the day to to be in conversation with God and, and to draw close. I like how you put it, to be present with God. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, my prayer life has also changed a lot. Um, I used to think that like, wow, you know, like, and when I was like single before I had kids, you know, I love to just sit in the prayer room. I would go to church and just sit there with God. Um, but now I can't, I mean, you know, practically I have kids and all. So it kind of like transformed into a life, you know, like just being aware of his presence um, and just praying to him, just listening to him during the day. It's like a loving relationship between God mm. and myself. I love the quote by St. Augustine. He says, true prayer, the essence is love. Mm. Um, so, so I think prayer has many manifestations, but the essence of it is love. Yeah. And I think Andre kind of talked about it earlier, um, I think that a lot of times we mistake prayer to be the means to get something. Yeah. Mm. But my understanding of prayer is prayer itself is the treasure. Yeah. Um, I, I can talk a bit more about the court of the Gentiles. Essentially, prayer was, <laughs> prayer was very inaccessible. Yeah. Um, and, 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 as, and as Gentiles, we, we didn't have the privilege to go right. to God to pray. Right. And this was what Jesus warned for us. Right. And so I think sometimes we take it for granted right. that prayer is the, the treasure that we have. Right. And sometimes we yeah. think it as a vehicle. Right. Yeah. yeah. Was that like a paradigm that you always held to or was there like you know, uh, a major shift? And I'll extend this question to you guys as well. Was there a shift or a moment in time where your prayer life was drastically changed, where uh, maybe you know, prayer was once dreary, was once tough and burdensome, but a, a, an encounter or a paradigm shift or an insight uh, really shift you in the right direction. So maybe you can just speak on that for a bit. I, I think all three of us probably would say the same thing, which is that um, our lives and our walk with God has really changed over the years and prayer has really, our idea of prayer has changed accordingly. And mm. the, I think the nature of prayer is like an island. Um, when you're a small island, you have a very short coastline. As you grow in this size of this island, the coastline increases. And I see prayers like that. The, as you grow in prayer, the more you realize how much there is um, about, and the, the more you realize how much there is to grow. Mm. Mm. Um, so so that, that for me is prayer. Definitely in the past when I pray, you know, you don't know what to pray. You pray completely unbiblical prayers. Um, like, <laughs> give me a hot girlfriend, I know. Um, <laughs> well, came through. <laughs> so uh, sometimes we pray out there, but I think God is not deterred uh, by that. Wow. Yeah, and definitely there were seasons where prayers dry. Yeah. Um, you feel like no one is listening. You don't know what to say. Um, but I think it's all part of the journey. And mm. the, the, the issue is, do you keep going? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Any? Feel free. Okay. <laughs> Andrew is a hard act to follow, but anyway, let me let me let me give it a go. Um, to to um, Andre's question, I think my prayer life. I, I mean, I can think of maybe the the more recent years where where it shifted significantly was when I started discovering the uh, the more contemplative aspects of our of our faith, like you know the early church, some of the. The Desert Fathers, you know, you have some of the mystics, 
like Jean Guyon, like you know, uh, Teresa of Avila. So I, I have had tip to Jason for introducing me to Jean Guyon. That that really spoke to me, and and just coming to a place of realizing that, you know, in 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 early days, like seeking God was you are going somewhere to find God, and like God is, I need to go this place, this holy mountain or whatever, mm. our prayer room. But but increasingly over 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 these few years, I found that the journey to the interior is. It's really where God is, you know, that Christ in, in me, the hope of glory. Um, so that has kind of radically changed the way in which I come to God, and, and it's, it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Um, I like what Andrew talked about love, you know. Um, so I became a Christian like ten, about 10 years ago. I got baptized 10 years ago, and the first year, you know, after I became a Christian, you know, like God would just... You know, I would just have this desire, you know, to go after him, and he would just keep overwhelming me with his love. I would just be, I would just be like crying, you know, like, like all the time because of his love. Mm. So I think it's that love that compelled me to want to know him more and love him more. And definitely, like the seasons have changed. You know, mm. I went through depression, and that season was tough because I was crying out to God. You know, God, where are you? You know, like heal me, heal me, heal me. He, like, you know, but you know. At the end, it took a few months, you know. So, um, yeah, and like what um, Isaac say as well, you know, to learn how to be aware, you know, of his presence. And even though, like, you know, like when I'm, like, taking care of the kids or driving, you know, like just not like this morning driving the kids, you know, like listening to worship song. And like, there was this Chinese worship song called Nambunan. Basically, it's based on Psalm 27, uh, verse 4. And, you know, when I was singing, you know, like with my heart, and that was my prayer. So, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the goals here with the, the panel and why I approached each of you all was to have like a, as best I can, like a representation of like different kind of personality types and approaches to spirituality, but also life stages, you know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, back before you had kids, you know, prayer looked really different for you. Mm-hmm. But now with kids, imagine three kids, I imagine a lot, you know, and kids are lovely, but I think they would fall under, like, the distraction category, right? They kind of pull you away. And so, uh, but, I mean, uh, okay, was that not okay to say? But anyway, uh, but I, I think you spoke to it a bunch, feel free to speak to it more, but maybe for the two of y'all, you know, like, has, like, your approach to prayer uh, shifted, you know, uh, like, season on season, like, you know, you were schooling previously, but now you are a servant to the civil, and so, like, how, how has prayer change or is it still the same is it something that you fight for to keep constant or has like the expression of it uh changed uh, through the years so maybe you can share into that yeah I'll, I'll, I'll start um i think not so much the the specific methods but i think earlier on in my spiritual walk you know as, as younger christian you always kind of like look to maybe people that you admire or your model like, mm. wow, this is the way to pray. Then you kind of do this, do this, and then, you know, God will speak and then wonderful things will happen. So so there was a season of just trying different things. But I realized a lot of these shoes don't fit. So 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 it's only, I mean, the truth is it's only been in the past few years that I, I feel that I've come into my own spiritually, found my own spiritual rhythm and voice. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so I think it's more the shift in how I approached it and how I sought God as you know, moving away from the cookie cutter or trying to copy what someone, what works for someone else, but trying to find what works for me. Yeah. Tom? I think I made, made an observation um, from my own life, which is that I had different seasons where I would really go into praying for a certain thing. Mm. So I remember there was a season where I was praying for a wife. Uh, there was a season where I was praying for the prophetic. Um, there was a season where I was praying and contending for healing. And there was another season that I was praying um, for revival. And I, I think the interesting observation for me was that you, depending on what you are praying for, um, it transforms you. Mm. Um, so obviously when I pray for a wife, it transforms me because I actually got a wife. Wow. Um, when, <laughs> but when I was praying for the... <laughs> When I was praying for the prophetic, um, I realized that uh, God started giving prophetic words. Mm. Um, when I was praying for revival, I realized that God sent personal revival to my heart. Mm. Um, and when I was praying for uh, miracles and signs and wonders, I saw that. Mm. Um, so I think that this just a, didn't really answer your question, but 
one observation, which is that what you pray for, I feel, is a barometer for what is inside mm. you, what do you really want. Yeah. And But it also becomes a thermostat to change who you right. are and right. what you experience. Right. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Uh, for me, uh, I go through many different seasons. So these are all distinct seasons. Huh? I, I go through different seasons where sometimes I, I remember I watched like, Lou Engel. Then I'm like, oh, this is how to pray. <laughs> then you must have the voice. <laughs> you must have the rocking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, and then I was like, this is prayer. So like, I, I, like, a bit like what Isaac said, like, you, know, you, 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 you look to who those whom you, you admire and then yeah. you try to, yeah. to walk in their footsteps. Um, then, so uh, it kind of works for me, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work for everybody, um, but it was different. And sometimes, um, so I mean, that's like the intercession type. Mm. For me personally, I felt um, my language is actually just uh, an upward gaze, I'll say, of my heart. Mm. And, and my prayer is saying, God, all I want is you. Yeah. Mm. And I think that is the, the heart of the prayer. And then yeah. that yeah. opens up. And it, it will lead you to wherever. Yeah. Mm. Whether or not God leads you to intercede for somebody, whether or not God gives you understanding. Mm. But that's always the starting place with posture of your heart to say, God, I want you. Now, yeah. do, you, do you compartmentalize that or is it like in like one gigantic prayer? You know? You, know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, some, some people, they kind of, you don't know. Okay, so for me, right, what I do is uh, I, I practice something called the, the daily office and that doesn't mean like every day I watch an episode of The Office. It's like a... <laughs> <laughs> okay, the daily office, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's it's in, in church tradition, yes. but basically the word office trans loosely translates to the word work, and so it's the daily work, and so basically it's it's fixed uh, our prayer, you know, it's uh, at specific uh, moments in the day, you know, it's something that a friend, you know, uh, that, that I've gotten to know recently really inspired me. She says that uh, she has like a date with Jesus, and this does this is not like the Jesus is my boyfriend kind of a deal, la. Okay, it's like a date with Jesus. By that she means that she has like a fixed time. Uh, in a fixed moment a day where she has set it aside for communion with God. And so for me, you know, that's something that I've been trying to practice. I end off the day with a, a, a fixed prayer. In the morning, I start off with prayer. And those days kind of bookend my day where it's more of like the be with Jesus kind of prayers. Uh, but in the middle, you know, I try to, I, I weaved in like intercession and like praying for certain needs and stuff like that. And so for me, I find my personality type, I need to like decouple. Um, but I still engage in both kinds of prayer. Yeah. But uh, for you, you know, is it like a, a, a flow kind of a thing or do you like compartmentalize? Or maybe you guys can speak into that as well. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I, I, I just remembered <laughs> something which I think is really helpful. I remember when I was a teenager, my mom sent me this challenge. It was really weird. She basically had this whole thing about... So, okay, the context is that last time I used to... I like listen to music. Okay, so everywhere you go, you listen to music, right? Like, if it, as long as there's no one you put in your headphones and listen to music. So, what kind of music do you listen to? Sometimes you, last time I like to listen to like Maroon 5, you know, <gasps> like very emo. Okay. Then after that, or sometimes you listen to like Batman soundtrack, then you feel very epic. <laughs> yeah, then this I like imagine myself. <laughs> okay, so anyway, it's, it's all quite, you know, but because music activates something, mm. I remember when I was a teenager, my mom said to me this challenge. She was like, how about you delete all your secular music? and only listen to like worship music. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. So, so I did it, and I think that was one of the things that changed my life. Because from that point on, every single time I was on the MRT, I was on the bus, I was by myself, I was walking, I would put on that music, and all I had was Christian music. So it naturally became a time of prayer for me. Mm. So every time when I walk, and I remember some of the, the, the times where I really felt the closest to God was like I'm walking back from the bus stop mm. and I'm listening to this Christian music mm. and it just shifts your soul. Mm. Yeah. So I just thought that was really helpful. If you guys yeah. want to do it, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Isaac, do you compartmentalize do, or do you like, how do you approach prayer? Wow. Um, I mean, of course, there are things that, that will be put on your heart and you kind of pray those things but but I find these days I, I, I don't start from that place uh, maybe it's the way in which um, I kind of I mean if to use the word structure my prayer life is a, a cornerstone of it is this thing that I practice called the centering prayer essentially it's a form of contemplative prayer where you just sit quiet before God for a certain amount of time like 20 minutes and, and I do that on a daily basis and, and trying to do it twice and mm. 
And coming from that place, I like what Andrew said about you know the upward gaze to God, and that essentially is my time mm. where I where I center my attention to God and nothing else. I mean, of course, mm. thoughts will come, but it's the the practice of coming back to 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 God, yeah. mm. right, and focusing on Him, and I find that that sets a it's kind of like a microcosm of, of how my day should be. And, and it's kind of helped me like in the middle of the day when mm. like, you know, you're busy, you're distracted or, or you've a thousand mm. and one things running through your head to then come back to God yeah. and, and be present that way. And also that has helped me, you know, I've, I've started kind of delving a bit into um, like in Ignatian spirituality and, and the idea of, of understanding our emotions, you know, that there, there is always an undercurrent and a flow. So I become a lot more sensitive to that. And I realize that God uses uh, our emotions, our emotional responses to things that happen to us throughout the day, and to to ponder and and to ponder on these things with God and say, Hey, God, you know, why am I kind of responding in my heart this way? I'm like yeah. annoyed. So is there something there that you're trying to reveal to me? So, yeah. so it becomes a lot more organic. Right. It's kind of like you're flowing. Yeah. Rather than God, like, oh, I need to pray about this thing, or like, I gripped in my heart in a yeah. certain way. So it's it's yeah. not really like that anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, if you are not sure about certain names and concepts that Isaac brought, just Google lah. Like you might go Saint Ignatius Chapel or like Saint Teresa of Villa. Just Google all good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, Ignatian prayer that I've been practicing is called the prayer of examine. Yes. So I I end off my day with this yeah. prayer. So basically, you know, if I can just give you like the the nutshell of it is you just reflect on what happened in the day, what brought you joy, what brought you a pain and why, where did you feel God the most in the day and where did you feel the furthest of God and why. And so I describe it as like, you know, AAR for your everyday, you know, after action review. Yeah. <laughs> and you just review it, God. Because my personality type, you know, I need to review my day. And I've done it on my own and it's never turned out well. And so I do it with God and the grace and mercy and kindness of God. And it's always uh, turned out well. So that's a, a fixed prayer that I practice. Well, um, here's our top question on Slido. There are four likes. <laughs> this might be an Andrew question, but open to everyone. Could you share how do you find the balance between praying in faith and leaving a matter open to God's will? <laughs> but, um, but I would like to, to uh, pivot the question in a certain direction, and I would like to talk about guidance. And so uh, how has prayer uh, worked for you in the form of getting guidance, uh, a sense of direction for your life, uh, or even uh, uh, discovering the will of God, the purpose of God for your life, you know? and has that played out uh, in any aspect of your life? Maybe you can share a couple of stories, or share, like, how do you actually hear the voice of God? And I think, you no, know, is the is the age-old question, right? How do you know that it's actually God, and God's actually speaking, yeah. kind, of, kind of a deal? Yeah. Is this helping, people? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Venture to take a step. Um, okay, I'm gonna just caveat this by saying that your mileage might vary, right? Um, and I think it's gonna be different for everyone. But for me, I think one of the ways in which God speaks very clearly to me is a a gut knowing. So mm. I've realized as I kind of reflected on major decisions I've made in my life, right, that that there is always kind of like a kind of like you know it's right in your gut. Mm. And, and that's been a very powerful tool that God is, has used to speak. But, but of course, I mean, you layer it with other things, like, you know, you seek wise counsel and all these good things that you should do. But that's been a, a very um, powerful kind of a thing for me. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so I, I really thank God because, you know, like, like I said, I became a Christian about 10 years ago. Before that, you know, like, you know, I didn't really know the purpose, you know, of life. And I mean, I studied business, you know, just just blur, you know, just, you know, went with the flow. But like, uh, but because, you know, how God pursued me, you know, like that first year after I became a Christian, you know, I would randomly like see a vision and then God would give me a verse. And I'm like, oh, what is this verse? You know, then basically he was asking me to get baptized, you know, stuff like that. Um, then... Um, all along, you know, in this journey, he has been so faithful and so clear. Maybe because of my personality, I'm quite like, oh, you know, I go with the flow and I don't really like, oh, I need to do this. I must do this, you know. Um, so he has been very, very clear regarding, like, who to marry, you know, like, uh, no, really? <laughs> yeah, like, that's another story. God's choice. Yeah. <laughs> Great choice. Um, <laughs> 
and like you know so and then he called me into early childhood and that was very specific you know how he spoke to me um you know like having kids you know actually we weren't really trying for judah but then you know like when i was spending time with god i saw this like baby boy with a lion costume then i'm like oh god you know like then i read this book it's about the tribe of judah then i'm like oh you are saying that you know we are like the tribe of judah like not knowing that we, i was pregnant then like a week later you know when i was just yeah lying on the couch and just spending time with god not not praying or just just soaking then he gave me another picture he said oh a baby with lots of hair then I'm like, I am pregnant. <laughs> so yeah, then the next day we check we are pregnant. Yeah, we were, yeah. So like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, um, then like moving to Singapore as well, you know, he has been very, very, very clear, you know, uh, each step of the way. Um, I think it's different for everybody. It doesn't really, like for Sien, you know, he doesn't function that way. So he still needs to like, you know, like get used to like how I just like, okay, let's just, you know, wait on the Lord. Let's just hear, you know, what God wants us to do. So... Yeah, I mean, how God speaks, you know, like, gives us vision. He gives mm. us, like, wise counsel. We pray with friends and, you know, we all discern together. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I forgot to give an example. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, uh, but you, anything else you want to add before? Okay, thanks, Vivi. <laughs> uh, so, actually, maybe a very recent example was even just this whole, I mean, I, I briefly mentioned that I'm on sabbatical now, which is long leave, uh, parts of it, of course, unpaid and all that. So, so when I was contemplating kind of doing it, it's, it's a very counterintuitive thing, right? And it's like, wow, why are you going to do that? But as I committed to the decision, there was a, a rightness. I, I don't know how to describe it, right? That you know in your heart that it's the right thing. And, and thereafter, it was subsequently kind of affirmed by, by my community, the yeah. people that I'm in community with. And, and I think that the sense that comes with such, such a kind of decision, I mean, usually major ones is, there, there's like life, um, there's a sense of possibility. I, I think these are kind of signposts that you can mm. look at to indicate maybe God is there. Not always, but you know, just check, lah, check with your yeah. pastor, your life group leader. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Just one more point. I, uh, okay, like, just know what we were talking about is like kind of like big things, you know, like who am I going to get married? You know, what am I going to do in my life? What is my calling? Blah, blah, blah. But um, what I've been learning and like from Jay, you know, the guy who came for um, the retreat, like is, you know, how do we, you know, like inquire of the Lord, like David, you know, in our daily life, you know. Um, um, so give you one example, like, a few months ago, you know, like before picking up Emmanuel, I was like, okay, God, you know, like I have one, I have half an hour before picking him up. What should I do? Then I wanted to go to the supermarket, you know, then I was just thinking. Then he dropped the name, you know, he said St. George. Then I'm like, why St. George? You know, yeah, I'm like, why? You know, I've never been to St. George. So, but then I really felt it was, it was God, you know. Um, I had the peace, you know, like the, the gut feeling. Then, then I just uh, went to St. George. Then turns out, um, the church is open, you know, during the week for prayers and nobody was there. And this is what, you know, that, that, that secret place is what I need. So I think, yeah, you know, like we don't need to, we, we seek God, you know, in big decisions making and all, but we also seek, try to seek God, you know, in our, on a daily basis, day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Maybe I'll share some thoughts to the top yeah, two the questions. Top question. Which I Seven think are likes. both quite related. Mm. So the the Andre the, the Andre the question that Andre uh, was talking about just now is could you share how you find the balance between praying in faith and leaving a matter open to God's will? And then now the top question is this how do you know that God is answering you and it's not from your mind? Oh. I think both questions are quite related. Yeah. Um and I, I just want to share one point which I think um God primarily speaks through His Word, which is Scripture. Yeah. And there are some things which are really clear. Yeah. Those things you shouldn't ask Him whether or not it's true or not. Those things which is up to us to search it out, to understand it. For example, all of Israel will be saved. Yes or no? Romans 9 to 11, you know? Search it out. God has made certain things clear, you know? Um, the gospel will be preached to all tribes and nations as a witness. These things are clear. So we shouldn't have to go ask God, oh, do you think it's uh, your will to preach the gospel or not? Do you think it's your, your will um, for me to remain pure? This kind of thing is doing research because it's clear in scripture. But then I think the, the, 
to be fair, the question is really about those things which are not so clear. Mm. And usually the things that are not so clear are the things which are no right and wrong. It's a personal thing. Like, who do you get married? Do I travel and pack up everything and move to a different country? Mm. And all those kind of things. And the scripture does not give us personal answers, specific answers to these things. And I think that's where the struggle comes to say, did I hear from God? Or is this in my mind? And for me personally, what I learned was that when I was praying about whether or not uh, Hannah and I should start dating, this was in the UK. In the natural, it looked quite um, not very smart because we only had like three months together and we were going to do long distance. I was going to do army, all this kind of thing. It's like, you know, doesn't look like it's going to happen. She didn't even know where Singapore is. So it's like, I don't know what one. So she asked me, whether we are in China because we celebrate Chinese New Year. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Close enough. Like crown colony, yo. Anyway, sorry. I'll give you uh, a chance of revenge soon. So, <laughs> but at that time, I, so I was really grappling with this question. So this a, like, scripture doesn't, you know, scripture does say, well, you can find a good wife, you're good. La. But, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't say, is what this the it? one? <laughs> Some proverbs, right? <laughs> so it's like it doesn't say this is the one. So I was re-grappling with this. Uh, this was the interesting thing. When I was grappling with it, I, I found myself praying, Lord, search me. Mm. Um, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. And my prayer was not give me the desires of my heart. Mm. My prayer was transform my heart so that I'll desire your will, mm. so that I'll be the center of it. Mm. And this is the thing that I learned, which is that. When God called the Israelites to the promised land, He wasn't so much enamored and wedded to the idea that they will go to this promised land in this certain time. He was after people. Mm. Sometimes we are so focused on the promised land, the thing. But God is actually after your heart and He's after people. So while God has a plan, I believe so like while maybe we are meant to be together, what God is after is my heart. Mm. And can I honor him in this process? Mm. And sometimes he'll lead you to wander for 40 years, not enter the promised land, if your heart is not correct. Mm. So the fastest way there to me is to embrace a prayer of, God, change my heart. Mm. I'm not so interested in the specific thing. I'm not so interested in getting a wife, hearing your calling for my life, having a ministry, whatever. I want you. And you get all of these things. Mm. Yeah, that's my learning. Actually, just to add on, and, and I think maybe hopefully it might give a bit more of a kind of like additional kind of perspective on the first question, right? Which was a balancing between like hearing the voice of God and what was it like? Whether it's, it's mm. yeah, and I think you know a lot of things that Andrew talked about where we also kind of know in our heads, right? The idea of surrender. Um, I think that is a very very big part in in how we hear and discern God's voice. If yeah. We're able to come to a place of indifference where option A, B, C, D, E, right? They're all the same God. Like, you know, I, I mm. don't desire one more than the other. It becomes mm. a bit easier for you to hear from God. Mm. And so if you desire something and then, you, you know, your mind might be kind of subconsciously saying, oh, you should go for this one. Then obviously, you know, your, your choice is going to be a bit skewed. But if you're able to surrender and come to that place where God... Mm. Really, you know, whatever you want, I will just mm. do or I'll follow. Mm. And I think it becomes a bit easier to discern what God says. This has been my experience. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. So just end off a practical note. 30 seconds each. Uh, what does prayer look like for you uh, every day? Now. Now. 30 seconds. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Can or not? So I must quote the rabbi, Samuel Whitfield. <laughs> so I, I love Samuel Whitfield. He says uh, this, worship is agreeing with who God is. Prayer is agreeing with what God is about to do. Yeah. Um, so what prayer looks like for me now is opening the scripture, reading about what he said he's going to do, speaking it back to him and agreeing with him, and mm. in that place being transformed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's feel free to get into specifics like uh, specific, time, yeah. sure, sure. time. Can, can, yeah. Yeah, I, got, I got that prepared. So um, I start my day with uh, 20 minutes of centering prayer. Then I have this devotional that I use which has scripture. So you go through that and 
And when I go through the scripture, it's it's like, you know, uh, Lectio Divina style. You, you just chew on it, you know, you kind of mull and you, you, you see what God is saying to you through it. And then I kind of take that through the day. Uh, and then at the end of the, you know, that it kind of helps me kind of center to God throughout the day. And at the end of the day, I do another 20 minutes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, I'm not so structured, um, but... Um, <laughs> go with the flow so in the morning when i wake up i try to be you know quiet and just you know like just you know like um praising god you know um i always want to wake up at 5 a.m it's still you know the, it's still not working you know so i always <laughs> want to wake up at 5 a.m before the kids you know and start praying but no yeah still not working so yeah we're all learning um so wake up and then you know like um you know spend some time with god yeah. and just be quiet you know and just like thank him then mm. when i send the kids to school um we always pray together. We, we pray the Lord's Prayer together. We pray the verse um, in Shama, you know, De- Deuteronomy 6. Uh, you know, this is our, our daily prayer. Love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another as ourselves. Um, and um, so, you know, that's the structure part. Like, so pray with the kids in the morning, pray with the kids at night, and then with Xian, we'll pray together. But during the day, you know, like... Um, Right now, I don't have a fixed time, like timing, you know, like, I think I, you know, should consider that, you know, if I can find time, um, you know, but I will be praying, reading the, the, the Bible, and also like, you know, praying the verse and praying the spirit. And when I'm in the car, you know, like, I can worship, you know, like, sometimes really weird, you know, I'll be like, <laughs> lifting up my hand, kind of like, <laughs> when I'm stopping. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And the prayer group, I love my prayer group. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, so we're going to wrap up. But the whole goal of um, you know this series and talking about spiritual practices and having a panel like that up is for you to uh, understand that sp- practices, specific ones included, are very dynamic. You know, they they kind of like match to like your personality, the season of life you're in, certain needs or certain things that you're trying to overcome. And so they kind of shift. They kind of mold and, and form, you know, as you go in life. La. So, you know, we heard, like, different perspectives and, like, you know, I think there's a great proverb that goes, like, different strokes, different folks. Something like that. Whatever floats your boat, you do, you boo, whatever that there is. But, you know, you, you kind of do it your own way. You find out and what works for you. La. You know, um, I like end off with, like, this final quote. You know, I love this quote by, um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard. He says, the function of prayer it's not primarily to influence God, but to change the one who prays. And I think, you know, um, and this is based on the assumption that all of us want to love prayer. We might not love prayer now, but we want to love uh, prayer. And this is something that we want to grow in and uh, make uh, intentional effort uh, in doing so. So we're going to end off uh, this way. We're just going to go down the line and uh, we're just going to say a prayer over a congregation. I'll just, we don't need the band. We're just going to close service this way, but I'm just going to go to the line. Uh, just speak a prayer over the congregation. Now, I believe uh, uh, in the power of impartation. And uh, this does not mean like their relationship with God suddenly become your kind of relationship with God. It's not like transference kind of thing. But I believe grace is imparted uh, through prayer. And grace is this like enablement and empowerment to do what you couldn't do before. And so I believe that uh, that can be released uh, through prayer. So I'm just going to go down the line, just pray uh, over congregation, and I'm just going to wrap the service that way. Cool? How many of you appreciate them? Yes? Yeah. Wasn't that good? Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, we didn't get to a lot of questions like, you know, sovereign will and etc. but cover that one sermon, I believe. Huh? Thank you. But, uh, but anyway, just go down the line and uh, we'll, we'll pray. Uh, but uh, I think they're going to hang around up front afterwards, so just feel free to come chat with them if you need more prayer. Ministry team will be on the left as per usual. So Isaac, maybe you can kick us off with a uh, time of prayer. Is it, is it on? Uh, and I just use the other one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Beautiful. All right. Let's just uh, get into a portion of prayer and uh, let's mm. just receive. Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord, where we can come to you. We can talk about something that's close to your heart, Lord. Lord, the ways in which we relate to you through prayer. Father, I pray for everyone here, Lord, even as we discover and we embark on our own journey of finding out what that prayer life looks like for each and every one of us, Lord. I pray for your grace to be made present and abundant, Lord. Mm. Lord, that we will come to a place of deep knowing, Lord, that we are in communion with you, Lord. And it's not just on Sundays when we come to church. It's not just during 
praise and worship, Lord, but it is every day and every moment, Lord. Mm. So bless everyone, Lord, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you love us and mm. we are your children. And Father, um, thank you that we can come to you and ask you to teach us how to pray. Mm. And that you give us the grace, you know, like to be with you. Mm. So Father, I pray for all of us here that we mm. will have that grace, um, mm. you know, to long for you, you know, to want to know you more. And Father, I pray, you know, the Bible verse um, in Jeremiah 29, that when we seek you with all our heart, you will be found by us. So, Father, I pray that you will be found by all of us here. Mm. And I pray that all of us, our hearts will be filled with so much love for you, mm. that we will love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another as ourselves. Mm. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, thank you that we live in this covenant where you said you're making a new covenant where from the least of them to the greatest, they shall all know me. Mm. That you have poured out your Holy Spirit in all members of your body. Mm. That from the youngest to the oldest, that we shall all know you. That we don't need a teacher because we have one teacher. And that is you, the Holy Spirit. Mm. And we echo the, the prayer of the disciple to you and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Yes. Would you yourself be our yes. tutor? You are the man of prayer. You are the great intercessor. So Jesus, I pray, teach us how to pray. Lead us in your ways. That we will be your people. You will be our God. Yeah, we bless every single person here with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. We say prayer is not a means for us to influence you. It's not a means for us to get something from you. Prayer is our means to give ourselves to you. We say we present ourselves as your people Mm. and say give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we will know you in such a way that we will be a joy Mm. to give ourselves to you you said that you will give your people joy when they ascend Mm. to your house of prayer Mm. and i pray that this will not be a drudgery Mm. it will not be a discipline but i Mm. prophesy delight Mm. that prayer will be a delight that we would find the deepest longing of our hearts satisfied in the place Mm. of prayer in the chamber of encounter with you Mm. And I pray that we will not be discouraged. We will not be discouraged. We will Mm. keep pressing in. We will keep praying until the final revelation of who you are breaks through in all of the earth. We say, come Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, well, let me me close in prayer. Jesus, we echo the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, we thank you that prayer is an invitation to experience you. Prayer is an invitation to relationship. So God, we ask that even as we live uh, through the week, God, that our spirits will send, will sense the summons of your calling, the summons of your voice to come into a deep, intimate relationship with you. God, we ask that truly, God, you'll give us the grace to enter in, that we may truly experience uh, this great joy uh, that is prayer. So God, we ask, give us the grace this week, even as we live uh, into a a vision of having our lives oriented around the presence of God. Awaken our senses to feel you, quicken our ears to hear from you, speak to our hearts. We thank you for this great joy and privilege. We thank you that you have come near to us. You have come near that we can experience you. So God, we draw near to you. And as scripture promised that when we do so, you will draw near to us. Lord, we thank you for the beauty that is prayer. We thank you for this great privilege. Bless us even as we live through the week. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Give a hand to our, prayer, our panel again. <laughs>